Hello, hello, hello. Hey everyone, it's your friend, your sister here, Jocelyn Jones, with another episode of Faith on the Journey. And as always, I welcome you. I'm so excited to have you here with me. And if you are just tuning in for the first time, hearing about Faith on the Journey, I want you to know we are a platform here committed to help you to love life and embrace your journey by providing you with resources and sharing stories that allow you to understand that the pain from your past or current situation does not have to hinder you from experiencing the promises of God. In today's episode, I want to talk about a heavy topic, but it is a crucial topic that the faith communities cannot ignore. This issue transcends every race, gender, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, religion. This issue is often hidden in the shadows of our own churches, community organizations, and workplaces. And so many people are suffering from this issue in silence. If you haven't figured it out yet, the issue that I'm speaking of is domestic violence. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence. I mean, beatings, burning, strangling by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And 72% of all murder suicides involve an intimate partner. 94% of the victims of these murders are female. This issue is very significant, people. And here's the thing. It can happen to anyone. This person who is the abuser can often be a nonprofit leader, an esteemed politician. They can be your local block club president. They can even be a leader in the church. Ooh, did she say a leader in the church? Yes, I did. And see, the thing about that, that's a little taboo for us to talk about because for some of us, it's so hard for us to conceive that a spiritual leader in a church who we love so dearly would be able to commit such a heinous act such as domestic violence. But it happens in the church all of the time and we don't even know it. Or in some cases, we do know it and we just choose to ignore it. Here's the thing about domestic violence. The side of the abuser that commits the act of violence is a side that many of us, we see differently in public. Let me explain what I mean. In public, the person who commits the act of domestic violence is usually charming, charismatic. They can be so kind to people. They can even know the Bible inside and out. And the funny thing about that is, even if they know the Bible inside and out, they like to use the Bible to manipulate and argue their unacceptable behavior. So, when it comes to the partner, they usually see somebody who's different. It's not the same person that the public sees. The person that they see is a nightmare at home. And I think it's important for me to highlight that domestic violence, it takes shape in so many different forms. It's not just physical abuse. It could be psychological abuse, meaning that this individual threats to take 
their partner's children away, or they manipulate them with lies, or call them out of their name, or tells them that they're dumb and ugly and stupid, or they can isolate them from family and friends, constantly criticizing you. So we have this this mental, emotional abuse that takes place. It could be sexual abuse. It could be them treating their partner like a sex object, or criticizing the way they act in bed or forcing them to have sex after they beat them. It could be economic abuse. It could be them refusing to give you food or clothing or money for that. Or it could be them forcing you to hand over money that you earn from work. It could be them doing things to cause you to lose your job so that you don't have means to support your own self. It can mean not letting you have a checking account. So there's so many different forms that this can take on. But if you see one common theme in everything that I said, when it comes down to it, domestic violence is about the abuser having power and control over the victim. And with that power and control, they will do everything in their power to keep it lying, if that means manipulating, if that means getting in a position of stature, they're going to do what they got to do to maintain power and control. So my question to us is where is the church on this issue? Especially if this issue is so prevalent, how is the church getting involved in helping to support individuals who are affected by domestic violence, even in their own churches? Does the church play the ignorant card with the position of, if I don't see it, I can act like it didn't happen? But wait, in some cases, the church does see it. So do they they take the stance of apathy or indifference that, well, that's their business and we'll let them handle that matter in private? Maybe it's a situation where the pastor has known both individuals who are involved in a domestic violence relationship for years. And they decide, you know what? I just don't want to take sides when it comes to this issue. And believe me, I get it. I know taking a stand on this issue is hard. But understand this. Choosing not to get involved in a situation is still making a decision decision to choose a side. When you stay silent in the midst of domestic violence, you are choosing to be on the side of the abuser. I know that's a tough pill to swallow, but hear me out. The abuser wants you to do nothing more than to remain silent, indifferent, turn a blind eye to what is taking place in that relationship. And By doing so, you give them the opportunity to continue to perpetuate the abuse. Whereas for the one who's being abused, that's a difficult road to take. It's the harder road to take, that is. They want you to take action. They want you to see them. Hey, hey, they simply, in some cases, say, let's start off by saying, I believe you. And what I'm seeing taking place in this relationship is something that I don't agree with and I will not support. See, that's a difficult stance to take, but it's the stance that we must have when it comes to the issue of domestic violence. So we're going to continue this conversation, but before we do, I need us to take a break. I want us to be able to hear from our sponsors. So hold tight. 
and we'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you right there. The one listening to this podcast. It's Jocelyn. And I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in. But I have a quick question for you. Are you doing great work out there in the community, whether it's through your church, community group, or nonprofit, but you just don't know how to let other people know all the great things that you're doing? Or maybe you're a person who's passionate about making a difference and you want to become a thought leader, an influencer, one of those individuals who write a book or start a podcast or even a blog. Well, I have a solution for you. Journey Consulting wants to partner with you to help you to take that next step. Our team is committed to working with nonprofits, small businesses, and individuals who are dedicated to supporting others in achieving their purpose. Through content writing, copywriting services, and the development of strategic communication strategies, we help our clients share their mission on a larger scale so they can have a greater impact on the world. Sounds like you? If you're interested in learning more, contact me, Jocelyn, at Jocelyn at MyJourneyConsulting.com. Again, that's Jocelyn, and my name is spelled J-O-C-E-L-Y-N at MyJourneyConsulting.com. Can't wait to hear from you. Looking forward to taking the journey together. All right, that's it for now. Let's get back to today's podcast. And we're back we're diving deep into the subject of domestic violence. And when I tell you there's so much that we could discuss today and we honestly just don't have enough time to talk about everything there is concerning the subject. But before we bring the guest on the show, one thing that I do want to speak to is the subject of love as it relates to domestic violence. And I think this is important when it comes to the church because yes, we are called to love everyone. But what does love really mean when it comes to this issue and I'm speaking to this in regards to the actual abuser because yes we do have individuals who are abusers in our church and yes even though we're called to love them when it comes to the love that we need to provide them it's the love that says I'm willing to love you enough to tell you when your actions are wrong and I am going to hold you accountable and in doing that, that's challenging the person to be get, to be better. I was actually taking a class um, today. I'm in seminary school at McCormick Theological Seminary. Shout out. And one thing we were talking about is the concept of cheap grace. And I think that's very interesting because we offer and extend to people cheap grace when we say, you know what? I see what you're doing is wrong, but we serve a loving God, and because we do, we're just going to accept you for who you are. God loves you anyway. Uh, no, yeah, God loves you, you know, unconditionally, but it doesn't mean that God is okay with what you're doing. And we also serve a just God who believes in holding people accountable. Read the Bible. We see how God holds people accountable all the time. So we can't extend to people this vision of a God who offers cheap grace to people. We need to hold individuals accountable, even when it comes to the subject of forgiveness. But I want to take a moment here to emphasize the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, because they are different. They're not one and the same. And just because you forgive someone does not mean that you reconcile yourself to them. 
Just because you forgive someone also doesn't mean that you're saying that what they did is okay. In most instances, it's not okay. And when it comes to domestic violence, it's never okay for what has been done to you or the victim. And we're going to talk about this in more depth later in a segment about how do we reconcile forgiveness as believers when it comes to the issue of domestic violence. But I don't want to wait any longer to bring our guests into the conversation. And I am so excited to have my sister in Christ with us today, Reverend Rosemary Norris, who I had the pleasure of meeting in seminary school. She is a graduate of McCormick Theological Seminary, and she holds a bachelor's in liberal arts and a master's degree in criminal justice. She also has a background in social work and has done years of service in the community. She is an active member right now of Montclair United Church of Christ, located in Elmwood Park, Illinois, and she is seeking to become the director of Christian education. She's also on the road to become an ordained pastor within the United Church of Christ. And this sister is just doing amazing work for the kingdom of God. And so I'm so excited to have her with us today just to share her story and before uh, she came on the segment with me, we were just talking about how this story is long overdue to be told. And so I'm thankful that she is stepping out on faith and sharing her journey with us today of forgiveness. But before we dive into that subject, I just want us to learn a little bit more about your story, Rosemary, your upbringing, the beginning. Could you just you know, open us up with just a little bit of background about yourself? Thanks, Jocelyn. I'm so excited to be there be here today. So let me tell you a little bit about my story. I come from a family of faith. My mother was a very, very religious woman. We come from a middle-class family. My father was the primary source of support. Although my mother worked, she worked part-time. Uh, we were considered a successful family because we had just bought our first two-flat building in Inglewood. We bought our first car. So we thought we had it going on, you know, back then. It was a very big deal. Mm -hmm. But something happened. Mom and dad got sick. And so my brother and I became the primary caretakers for our family. That was unheard of for two kids to be able to do something like that. But then we had extended family to help us. And so that was good. But what happened was I didn't have an idea what a healthy relationship was. I needed to know, I wanted to know, but I didn't know. The biggest challenge for me in all of this that I faced was the unforgiveness of my ex-husband. Mm. I couldn't forgive this man because he had extramarital relationships. Now, let's, let's back up. Tell me a little bit about him. When, when did he come into the picture? Like, how did that all begin? I was about 15 years old. I went to visit my grandmother one day and I met this man because he was just fine to me. And back then, <laughs> we, I mean, we looked at fine. I mean, yeah, he was that's cute. Was, mm -hmm. I mean, he had it going on. He had money. And I just felt he didn't look like the average person to me. He was a goddess. Mm. So I fell in love with the man. Okay. And not really knowing who I was. And so with that being said, I mean, it was like a back and forth on again, off again relationship. And mm. so that's how I met him. Okay. Okay. So you met him, you fell in love. And 
you said it was off and on, which huh, sister over here has been there, done that. <laughs> so I understand. Um, but usually when it's off and on, it's for a reason. There's some dynamics there. So why was it off and on? It was off and on because it was so much abuse. It was physical abuse. It was mental abuse. It was anger, you know, on his side, it was womanizing. And I just got tired. I got tired of the constant, I really didn't have a say in the relationship. If I said anything outside of what he thought was right, there was physical abuse and violence. And so it was off again, on again, because I came back to Chicago. He said everything was going to be all right. But of course it wasn't. By the time I came back again, it was the same cycle over and over and over again. So talking about the cycle, because we've, many of us have been there. So the cycle continued, but you said that you eventually still married him. So Tell me about kind of what was going on in in your mind with that. Um, Did he have like a stronghold over you? What was happening to cause you to still enter into a marriage with someone where you knew the relationship was unhealthy? I love this man. Let's go back. I had no idea. I had no clue, girl, of what a healthy relationship was. I'm looking at this man. I felt as though this is my man. Mm. So he's supposed to be good to me. He's supposed to take care of me. He's supposed to honor me and I love him. And so it was just all about what I needed, you know, at this time. And so it was no separation. It was supposed to get better, you know, from there. And so that's the way I felt at that time. Got it. Got it. So you got married uh, and you said that this was a, a source of your pain, right? Where you struggle with unforgiveness. So what tell us a little bit about what happened in that marriage and then the source of your pain from that that relationship the source of my pain was that i left my family i left my mom i left my dad i left friends and because i thought it was going to be a good thing nobody knew what they were talking about i wanted to go on this journey with him because i loved him And I felt as though this is who I needed to be with because we had been going back and forth for years in this. And eventually I thought it would get better. So why turn back around? I was in deep. I was in deep, Jocelyn. So it was no such thing as turning around, going back home, sticking my head in the sand. I was going to make this work out. Mm. And so that's where I was at. It had to work out. You know, no matter what anybody told me, this was going to work out. They didn't know my, they didn't know that the love, the love I had for him, it was beyond what they had to say about the relationship. In my mind, it was a good relationship. Mm. So I needed to be there for me. So when, when did things start to turn for you, Rosemary, where you're like, you know what, this is not a good relationship and I, I need to t- step out of this. It really turned for me when I started thinking about my daughter, these Things were happening in front of her, the physical abuse, the mental abuse, the you really didn't have a say in what was going on. And I thought about it in my mind. Do I want this relationship for my daughter? Do I want to continue this cycle? Do I want to keep down a road that was going nowhere? And so when I thought about her, 
I had to go. I had no choice because now it's no longer about me. It's about my daughter becoming healthy and whole and seeing healthy relationships coming from her mother. So I had to go at that time. Hmm. Mm. And and that's that was I know God moving in that. God used your love for your daughter to show how you needed to be treated too in that relationship. And from that, you so you made a decision that you had to transition and you had to leave that relationship. But I'm sure that wasn't easy. I'm sure that was a process. And even with you leaving, I I hear there was a lot of hurt still there. Talk right. about that for me. Well, you know what? That hurt, even today, and we're talking about 40 years later, I still struggle with why I wasn't good enough, why I wasn't important enough. And oftentimes he would tell me, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. And, and until I got in church and I had a spiritual mother, everybody needs a spiritual mother, Jocelyn. And she let me know at that time, you're good enough. You're smart enough and you're worth the wait for any man. And, and still, and, and until I walked in those shoes of being more than enough in God eyesight. So I had to forget about what he had to say, you know, about me. It didn't matter anymore because I wanted to grow. I needed to grow. I needed to be better, you know, for my children, because at this point we're going on years later, I had children. Mm. So it wasn't just one daughter. I had a set of twins after that, that mm. they needed their mother to be strong. They needed their mother to encourage them and they needed their mother to be whole and healthy. Mm, so, oh, wholeness. Yes. And see that wholeness piece is something I want to talk about because many of us, especially after leaving a really difficult relationship or even having traumatic events in our lives, we're so broken and we're seeking right. for someone else to make us whole and we go into in relationship after relationship. And sometimes we're settling for things that we just don't deserve. And right. so talk to me a little bit about your journey towards wholeness. What did God have to do in your life to restore you and to heal you from that past pain? God had to, I had to have a come to Jesus moment. Mm-hmm. I had to, because I thought about it and I thought about my spiritual mama and mom and what she said God wants better for us, but God can't give us better if we don't see ourselves as being better. If our mind is stuck 40 years ago, we're still stuck. I'm not saying that we forget about the pain and the agony that we went through. What I'm saying is we need to move forward. We have to move forward because if we stay stuck in that place, we're still stuck in shame. We're still stuck in unforgiveness. We're still stuck because we feel as though everything that we want to do, we can't do because we have this voice in our head saying, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not anything because you have too many kids. You, you have too many hangups. You have too many setbacks. And so I was tired of being in that place. I needed to move forward. I needed to leave that space to know that I was good enough that I was smart enough and that I was more than enough. Yes. If y'all could see me, she just had my hands just fly up in the air. Yes. And see, Rose, you're, you're diving into 
another subject that we talked about a little bit earlier in the month about shame, because Mm -hmm. I hear when you have been in an abusive relationship, there's so much shame that can come over you on like, why did, why did I allow myself to be treated that way? Well, should I have been treated that way? All these questions, the enemy starts filling you up, making you believe that you aren't good enough, like you said. And that is just not the truth. And that's where I know knowing the word of God and speaking that back over your life and understanding who you were in Christ, who you are in Christ, played a big role in helping you to move forward. And so I'm, I'm glad that God had brought you through that process and that you're speaking openly about your story. Because I know right now, Rose, there's people who are listening who are in it, who are in these relationships right now where they're like, no, I am unhappy. I, I'm being abused. I'm being mistreated. I want to leave, but I don't even know if I can get better. But if you're listening right now, I want you to know that you deserve better. You deserve someone who will love you, who will treat you with the love of God. And so in, in this space, I want you to know, just like Rose was saying, it was a journey. It's not easy to leave an abusive relationship. It's, it's also, it's one of those things, there's so many dynamics. Financially, you might be struggling and feel strapped and ha- feel like you have to stay. You might be concerned about your safety. And so I'm not just saying walk out the door right now. You need to seek out help. If you're in that situation, counseling from a pastor, from a domestic violence resource center to kind of navigate a way for you to safely leave that relationship at the right time, but know that there is better for you. No one who, if you're in a relationship with someone who is not treating you with love, I need you to know there's more out there for you. And so I had to take that, that moment to to speak into your life. Um, But even beyond that, like Rose was talking about, which I think is important. You were out of that relationship, but still felt stuck. And so I want to talk about some of the dynamics that made you feel stuck. And one of the things that we were talking about earlier on the show is forgiveness. And when forgiveness, when it comes to a domestic violence relationship is, is, you know, a situation, you know, that, that, that's not, that's not easy. And nor when I, let me use this disclaimer, excuse me for my stuffiness, I have a cold, (laughs) but I'm not saying that you forgiving someone condones their behavior. Let's just make that clear. If someone is uh, abusing you, if someone is mistreating you, there needs to be justice and they need to be held accountable for their actions. But I also feel strongly in the power of forgiveness as relates to not holding bitterness in your heart towards that individual. And so it's it's an interesting dynamic because my theology of forgiveness, yes, you know, for the other individual and God calls us to forgive. But honestly, I think about forgiveness in a sense of us being set free from holding bitterness in our heart and anger that can keep us in the chains, locked in um, from embracing what God has for us. So those are my thoughts on the subject. Rose, I want to hear from you regarding that. Do you, do you have any thoughts around forgiveness as it relates to that? Yeah, because I was stuck. You know, I was really stuck. It was more so, Jocelyn, it was about me. 
you know, I made the decision to stay in that relationship because I knew I could make it better. Until I really thought about it, that I was an active and willing participant in this. This man didn't do this all by himself. He did it along with me. And so when I thought about it that way, and I thought about Jesus on the cross, and the last thing he said is, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. And so I don't even think that he was in a position to know what fathering was all about because he didn't get it himself. So how can I really judge him and then judge me? Because we both had situations. And so when I thought about it like that, even this morning when I thought about it, before coming on to speak with you about it, we have, God gives us free will, number one. He gives us free will as people and as Christians to, to, to be better and to do better. And then one of the things that God has called us to do is release ourselves because now it not only releases that person, but it releases us from the responsibility of carrying this burden. I carried this burden. This is the first time I ever talked about this for 40 years. Now, what happened was my children didn't have a relationship with their dad. Grandchildren didn't ever know their grandfather until last year. They just got to know, got a chance to see him. And so I felt as though I needed to move forward in order for my family to move forward. And that's how I got there. Mm. And in this, when you made that decision, I need to move forward. I need to let this go, this weight, as you describe it. What is, what is the difference now in your life? How are you, you looking at your life now? I look at myself as being whole. I know as a pastor, it was a lot of things that I could not do. I'm like, I can't do this or I can't do that. And that's because of the unhealthy relationship that continued to beam out in my head that I couldn't be anything more than Rose. But God called me to be the pastor, the future wife, a good friend, be in healthy relationships. And so what it did, it transformed my mind of who I thought I was. Mm. And when I thought more of myself, and I think the first thing, it's in your mind. We have to get into our mind of who God calls us. He calls us children of God, of the most high God. And when we think about that, we deserve the best. And so I had to separate the past into the future. God has a future for me, and he has a future for anybody that's willing to forgive. Yes. Oh, man. I I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I know some people right now are listening and like, yeah, Rose, I, I know you're talking about forgiveness and all, but you don't know my story. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how I feel. You don't know. And, and the list can go on. For someone right now who is just not really receiving what you have to say, what I had to say earlier about the subject of forgiveness, what would you tell them? One thing I would tell them is this. 
I don't want to diminish anything that anybody has gone through because it's real. It's a real story of hurt. It's a real story of pain. It's a real story of struggle. I get that. But for me, I would rather move forward than staying in that space and knowing that God has better for me if I only release it into his hands because I, I don't have the ability to do that. You know, in our humanness, we can stay stuck. You know, we can stay there. But moving forward gives you the ability to share this story with other women that are going through the same thing that you're going through and don't know how. We are called to stand in the gap, not just for you, but somebody else that's struggling through, going through the same thing that you're going through and don't know how to get there. It's no longer about me, but it's about my lineage. It's about my grandchildren. It's about my children having healthy relationships in the future for them to know who they are on the other side of me. They have a father. So this is a situation of loss that they had nothing, anything to do with. They had nothing to do with this. So I feel as though if we don't move from a place of shame and guilt, then we are impeding our family members. We're impeding our children. And we're taking away something that they have nothing to do with. This had nothing to do with them. It's not their story. It was our story. And so I wanted to open up an opportunity uh, of love and forgiveness for them. Because what happened was they became caught up in this situation. They didn't want to have anything to do with their father. But I believe that was selfish of me not to give them that opportunity to know the other side of that. And that's what I can say. Amen. Rose, I mean, I just see the transformation. I see what God is doing in your life right now. And to know all the things that you've been able to overcome by the grace of God and how he's kept you. I know that your story is one to encourage other people. And I thank you for sharing it. And again, for those who are listening, I hope that you were encouraged just like I was. And this being Domestic Violence Awareness Month, right, Rose? Yes. I, I, I think the, it's perfect timing for us to share uh, your testimony. And we'll continue to do that here through Faith on the Journey. This is what we're about. We want to let you know that if you're dealing with a difficult situation, if you're in a dark place right now, there's other people who've been in that same experience and they were able to make it by the grace of God. So you can too. So if this is your first time tuning in, I want you to do one thing for me. I want to make sure that you subscribe. You subscribe by visiting faithonthejourney.org. Again, that's faithonthejourney.org. And you will receive testimonies of faith in your inbox every Friday. We call Faith Fridays here. It's called Faith Fridays. And so we want to increase your faith. We want to make sure that you're growing on your walk and we want to support you on your journey. So I thank you again for tuning in for this episode. God bless you, Sister Rose. And I hope to have you back on the show again to continue this great dialogue. But for those who are listening, until next time, stay blessed and keep the faith.